with uh, today's message, our gospel story, it's about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And in the lectionary, this is another long gospel story I'm reading for Sunday. So what I'm going to do today is a little different. Rather read it all at once and then go back. I'm going to kind of break it up into different segments and talk about those segments, you know, as we go. So let me pray before we hear uh, the Gospel of John. God of power and might, shine the pure light of your word of truth into our hearts today and open the eyes of our minds to the comprehend the nuggets of truth that are contained within this precious passage of Scripture. And the story of the death of Lazarus comes in the 11th chapter of John. I'll begin at the first verse. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And after he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking about his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas also known as Didymus, the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So we quickly hear in this opening verses of this story that Lazarus is sick. This dear friend, and he's not just sick. In the original language, it's, it's, he's very sick. He's, he's on hospice, you might say. Jesus knows that Lazarus is going to die, yet he doesn't immediately go to him. And there's several points that we, we should try to understand about here, about the death of Lazarus. First point, the first idea is that somehow 
this death is going to bring glory to God. It's going to declare Jesus as the Son of God. Verse 4, it says that. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And also we, we have, hear about this great love that Jesus has for people. We hear how Jesus loved Martha and her sister in Lazarus. Something else, maybe something that we may be familiar with. We learn about how God oftentimes waits, even when people are, people are or we are in the middle of a crisis. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And why is he going to wait? Why doesn't he want to just go and help his friend that he deeply loved Lazarus get better quickly? Because Jesus is going to demonstrate that he has the power even over death. Next part of the story begins at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been already in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the Anointed One, the Christ who is to come into the world. Hmm. Martha begins when she goes out to greet Jesus. She's complaining. It's a sign that her faith, even though she has faith in Jesus, it's a limited faith. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Why didn't you come? Why did you allow my brother to die? Why did you heal Lazarus? Martha believed in Jesus, but her faith was a complaining faith. A questioning faith needs to grow. An immature, questioning, complaining type of faith needs to grow into a mature faith that is able to rest in God. How many people, how many of us, much like Martha asked, has God really done what is best? Does God even know what's best for me? 
mature faith is a resting faith. It rests in the knowledge that God is in control. Resting faith is a fully embodied faith. A resting, mature faith knows within our own body, our mind and soul, that God is in control. God has providence over everything, no matter what. When we reach, when a person reaches full maturity in their faith, they are able to completely rest in God and his providence. A complaining, a questioning faith is not a fully formed faith. It still has to grow some. It still has to be formed. And with a limited faith, with an, with an immature faith, we might miss what God is going to do, what God is doing, even if he tells us. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. But with her limited faith, Martha misunderstood what Jesus meant. I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Martha has a good fundamental faith, and fundamental faith is important. Yet it's not yet mature. She believed what Jesus taught about the resurrection of the dead at the last day. Yet even with this strong fundamental faith, Martha's faith led her to disappointment. And let's be honest. The promise of a future resurrection and reunion with our loved ones is not always a comfort. When we lose a loved one, they're gone from our lives, sometimes suddenly. No more contact. No more relationship experiences with them. Martha's life had just been changed radically. Her household would be different. Everything in her life was going to be different in some way. The resurrection that she believed in fully was so far in the future that it was of little comfort to her. And here's the point I, I hope I can get you to understand. I hope you understand. Fundamental faith is essential. We have to start with the fundamentals of our Christian faith. But a fundamental faith will eventually shortchange us. See, the basic fundamentals of our faith, that Christ was born, he lived and died for our sins. He was resurrected. He will come again. It's not all there is to our faith and our life in Christ. What Martha needs is what every person needs. A living faith. A faith that is alive and vibrant, dynamic and moving, communicating and fellowshipping. Can we fully understand what Jesus said, what he meant, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life? Did you notice he didn't say, I give the resurrection and the life? He says, I am the resurrection. And the life. Of course, Jesus does give resurrection and life to people who believe in him, but that's not the point. That's not the point that he's making. The point he's making is so much more important. He's declaring that he is the very being and the essence, 
the very power and the energy of life itself. And that's a phenomenal claim. It means that man and mankind, and actually all life, exists, exists through and by the will and power of Jesus Christ. In God's story, our Bibles, it illustrates that, that Jesus is the source of life. You go back to the very beginning of creation, it doesn't talk about a single God, but they hovered over the waters. If a dead person wants to live, Jesus can give him life. If a living person does not wish to die, Jesus can keep him from dying. That's what Jesus said. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. That means a believer in Jesus Christ will never experience their own death. Quicker than we can blink an eye, we're going to transition from this world into the next heavenly realm. All it takes is belief in Jesus Christ. And Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? And that's where Martha declares that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Here, in God's Word, we have one of the earliest acknowledgments that, yes, Jesus, you are the Christ. And it's by Martha. Let's hear more about the story, beginning in verse 28. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with, who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb, going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he, who opened the eyes of the blind man, have kept this man from dying? Mary, we hear, has the same type of response as Martha. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She has that faith that Jesus can heal. And Jesus is encountering not only Mary, but this whole group of people who've come out. They're all mourning Lazarus. Scripture says he's deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? Come and see, they replied. And the shortest verse in the Bible, if you didn't know that trivia, Jesus wept. And we may think, yeah, he's crying, but 
In the original language, this means that he's just uncontrollably, he's got snot bubbles that are running out. He's so upset, he's, he's blurting out, he can't control his emotions, he's so upset. But the death and the mourning that surrounds him, can we fully understand that God knows our troubles? He knows our grief. And he has compassion and love for all of us. God doesn't promise that we're not going to experience pain and grief in our lives. That old saying we like to tell friends is, God won't give you more than you can handle. Sorry, it's not in God's word. But what is in God's word is he promises to be with us no matter what. And yet faithful people still ask, how could God love so much and still let this happen? Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? What we need to grasp and understand fully is that the problem is not with God. We need to understand that the nature of the world that we live in is decay and corruption, trials and trouble, suffering and pain. Just think of that tornado that, again, people living their lives and a storm hits and they're dead in a matter of seconds or minutes. Death and hell. That's all because of selfishness and sin. But see, trials and sickness can also be an opportunity for God to do a great work. Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Amen. We hear again right away, we hear Martha. Martha who had just confessed that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. After all, it's been four days. In the Jewish culture of that time out, it's still a belief in today, but they believed that once a person died, their soul would kind of hang around the body for three days. So not only is there the decomposing of the body, the possible stench, but the soul, the soul has already gone on to where it belongs is what they believed. Martha, Martha, Martha. Jesus still needs her. Jesus wants her to conquer her complaining and to set aside her objections. He wanted her to trust him. That's all Jesus wants from us. Can we trust in Jesus Christ? 
to trust its judgment and will, to trust his knowledge and understanding, to trust his word and instruction. Again, the verse he said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? To put it simply, Jesus wanted Martha, and he wants us to be able to rest fully in him. Jesus yearns for us to have unlimited resting faith in Christ. A resting faith is a rest of deliverance and salvation. It's to rest in God's word, to know beyond all questions and concerns we may have. To understand fully that Jesus has liberated us from all sin, all shame, from death, and even hell itself. That means you're liberated from guilt and the nagging of our conscience that we haven't done enough or done the right things. This means we have open access to God's presence through prayer. But a resting faith is not an inactive faith. It's not a life that does nothing for God or for the community or for the world. A resting faith is a rest of service and ministry. Resting faith allows us to commit our lives to the call and purpose that Jesus Christ has for each and every person. Following God's call and purpose in our lives is what helps to free us from the shackles that want to bind us. The shackles of fear and doubt and frustration and grief. We can feel complete, fulfilled, satisfied, and confident with our lives. We can live an unashamed faith when we rest in the faith. We have assurance and confidence in the future. It's a rest of peace about today and about the future. When we look at Jesus Christ as our liberator, he liberates us from the things of the world that want to bind us. And when that happens, we become free of doubt and fear. When we declare Jesus is our Savior, we're declaring Jesus is our liberator. And with Jesus Christ as the one who liberates us, we have courage and gain knowledge of God's purpose and will in our lives. Jesus, as our liberator, frees us from all sin, shame, death, and even hell. Believing in Jesus Christ as your liberator allows us to rest fully with our faith in God. That's when we're truly liberated in our faith, when we can fully rest in God. We look to Jesus Christ as the one who allows us to trust and rest our faith fully in him. Amen. Amen.